All right, how are we, people? I'm gonna talk a little louder, I think. All the all the uh, worship team just walked off, and they said, "Bring the rain." Uh, I didn't bring the rain. I tell you what, uh, we are we are several weeks into this series called uh, "Running with the Giants," and we have never had in an entire season of our church more weeks that it has rained. So I told God on Monday. I said, literally I didn't say this to God, but I felt like if God, you keep making it rain on Sundays, I'm going to preach on guys that are dealing with water, okay? So we're going to pull out of the audience to kind of jog a lap with us today, a guy named Noah, all right? Like that, Noah, if you know anything about Noah, he dealt with a little rain. All right, so let's do this. We're going to, we're going to pray real quick. And ask God to be with us. You guys crank me up so I don't have to feel like I've got to, I've got to yell. Uh, can you guys hear me good? All right. So we're dry. All things are good. Let's pray and let's get rocking. Lord, we love you. I pray that today you would speak to us. Uh, God, I think you are. You're dropping rain on this roof as we're going to talk about Noah today. Noah today. So I ask God that you would guide us in and through this conversation. And Lord, would you help each of us? Uh, every individual that's sitting here this morning, God, would you take each of us on a specific journey of what you would have to say to us from this passage? Because God, I believe you're going to speak to us right now. In your name I pray. Amen. All right. So if you've been tracking with us in this series, we have, we have looked at giants of our faith and essentially uh, pulled them out of an audience in heaven and ask them what they would pass on to us through their stories. So this morning we're going to talk about Noah. Let me look at and show you the theme verse that we've used in this entirety of the series. It's Hebrews 12.1. It says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those witnesses are in heaven, and they are witnessing and watching and cheering us on for what goes on in our lives. And they're encouraging us to throw off things that hinder us, sin that entangles us, and challenging and encouraging us to run the race with perseverance. And I love how this ends, the race marked out for us. That means, and we've said this, if you're breathing today, if you have a breath and you're on this planet, you're here on purpose, meaning God has a plan and a purpose for you. Today we're going to look at Noah and we're going to look at what God did in his life. Now, uh, several years back, I was with one of my kids, I think it was Allie, and we were jogging a lap, literally running a lap. We, we stopped, and she had, Allie was always one to ask crazy off-the-wall questions. So we stopped running for a moment, and she lit into the barrage of questions, and one of her questions were this, was this, she said, Dad, are you a pastor? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a pastor. She's like, so, wait, if you're a pastor, who's the preacher? And, and, and she said, and I'll try to explain that I'm kind of both. Like, I, I share with people on Sundays, that might be called preaching, but as a whole, I'm a pastor. And she says, so she said, okay, so on Sundays, if you're preaching, who are you talking to? And I said, well, I try to talk to people who, uh, you know, are not saved and saved and growing and trying to grow. And, and she's like, okay, so I, I think I'm confusing her at this point. So she goes... All right, so if you're the pastor, you're the preacher, uh, and you're trying to do that, she goes, what about the people who already know God? What do you do about them? I'm like, well, I just help them 
you know, know God more, help them find their way back to God, like the way I weaved in our mission statement there, helping people find their way back to God. So she said, all right, so for all the people who already, uh, already know God, uh, what do you do for the people who aren't, don't know God? I said, well, I try to help them know God. And for the people who already know God, I try to help them to know God more. And she goes, I think for all the people who know God, you should just let them go home early. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny for my daughter, Allie, as we ran a lap that day. But we're going we're gonna to learn from Noah's today. And I, I want to throw out some really quickies that I just jotted down in my notes this morning. Because we've done this with all our characters and asked them, what would they say to us? And I have a serious one coming. These are not serious. Uh, I think Noah would say, don't miss the boat. Okay? Don't miss the boat. I think he would say, plan ahead. Here's a better one. Uh, I think he would say that the woodpeckers on the inside are worse than the storm on the outside. Just saying. Okay? Think about that. All right? Right there in your ear in the morning on the boat. Okay. All right, so seriously, Noah is this character we're going to look at today. And I think if he were to come out of the stands, out of the great cloud of witnesses, I think he would say this. And this is where I want to go today. One person can make a difference. I really believe that we're going to learn from Noah's life. And for each of us individually today, I want us to walk away from today grappling with and understanding that one person can make a difference. And whether you think that your circumstances, your age, uh, your lack of this or too much of that would encumber you from making a difference. You're wrong. We would not know of this guy named Noah. And I think most people, whether churched or unchurched, people kind of know of the name Noah. We would not even know of this guy's name if it were not for what he did and how he stepped out on faith. So one person can make a difference. Let me give you a little background this morning, just so you have uh, some context to know where this all comes from and where this was in, uh, in biblical history. So, a little background, 6,000 years of biblical history. You have, uh, you have 4,000 years up until Christ, that's B.C., before Christ, and you've got 2,000 years after Christ, uh, and so we're, we're in that 2,000 years and after, right, after Christ. Um, but biblical history, 6,000 years, and then Noah is 10 generations after Adam and Eve. So you got 10 generations after Adam and Eve, and the world's getting crazy, right? Things are getting messed up, so messed up that God sends a flood. I, he's not doing that today, by the way, okay? Scripture says he would never flood the earth again, so this is just a good rain. And most of us knew it was coming. How many of you guys look at the weather every day? You look at, you look at the weather every day. How many of you guys... You just walk into every day, you have no clue what the weather will be. I like you people. So, how many people brought an umbrella? Oh, even worse. All right, like six of you. All right, that's all right. Ed Griffin Hagen is going to take tips this morning and get all your cars pulled up. All right, just go ahead and start throwing your keys to the guy in the white shirt in the front, okay? All right, so... Now, let me just tell you this. Most scholars believe that the earth will be returned back to its original condition before the flood. That's when we read in Scripture, it talks about having a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, and notice that no rain was needed before uh, in earth's original form prior to the flood. It had not rained. There was no need for rain. The earth just self-preserved because that was how God set it up before the flood. 
So Noah has three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. He has them at 500 years old. I want to say that uh, if you're about to have kids, don't name your kids uh, Shem or Japheth. You could probably go with Ham, but he would have to play football in Alabama. All right? Um, so Noah lives to be 950 years old. Now this is all, again, this is uh, pre-flood when the earth was was in its original form, so people could live long lives. His granddad was Methuselah. He was the oldest man ever recorded to live. He was 967 years of age. So if you ever told someone like, dude, you're old as Methuselah. All right, that's, that's uh, Noah's granddad. All right, so Noah, here's an interesting point. Noah started building the ark at 600 years of age. It's crazy to imagine that, right? A guy starts on his amazing God journey at 600 years of age. So don't ever count yourself out. Now, if you hear all this and you've been tracking with us, if uh, you've been with us for several weeks and you've been hearing us talk about Jonah and Joseph and uh, Ed did an incredible job on Beniah, sometimes you look look at this and you hear these stories and you're like, is that for real? Are you serious? Well, I heard this story one time about a a little girl that her teacher didn't believe anything and was just busting this little girl's chops. So they're having this conversation about Jonah and the teacher's saying that couldn't have happened. Whales can't swallow humans. Their throats aren't big enough, right? And besides that, people can't live inside of a whale. It's just not possible. The little girl responds and she says, well, when I get to heaven, I'll ask him, speaking of Jonah, I'll ask him myself, like, what's up? I'll tell you, I'll ask him myself when I get to heaven. And the teacher said, well, what if Jonah didn't go to heaven? And I love her, her response. She said, well, then you can ask him. <laughs> Boom. All right, well, that's just a joke. We don't want people to go to hell to ask anyone any questions. So let me have us dive right in. And if you've got your Bible this morning, we're going to look right in the very first book of the Bible, In Genesis, starting in Genesis chapter 6, you've got message notes. Grab those notes. We're going to walk through some notes today. Let me start with this passage, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. Now, just right here in the beginning, let let me just acknowledge that uh, having a conversation about the wickedness in the earth is probably not what we normally do, right? I mean, we turn on the news, but it's not like you go to work and your first conversation is, let's just talk about the the wickedness in our earth. However, we may not talk about it a lot or often, but in our society, we've got some crazy, we've got a crazy dilemma of morality going on. We've got some crazy wickedness going on. Think about it. You've ever heard of child trafficking? Do you know, also know that nowadays in our society, in our present society, we have kids killed, kids killed for organ harvesting. I mean, there's, you just think about terrorism and what that really entails, uh, 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 people killing other people. There's just some travesties. There's, we, we live in a society where there is a major moral dilemma going on. And there is some craziness in our world 
that looks like and is probably a whole lot like what was happening in Noah's day. And so we see that God saw this wickedness on the earth, which is also good news, meaning that God's not off some distant place not knowing what's going on in the world. God literally knows what's going on in our world and has interest in it. And I noticed that Jesus talks about and says that in the last days, the last days will look like Noah's days. Jesus talks about that. So, the Lord saw how wicked man's wickedness was on the earth and how it had become so terrible. And it says, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart, our hearts, was only evil all the time. I mean, that's a, that's a messed up society. Our society was probably very similar to that society. And the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth. Now, some of you are parents and some of you have felt that way before. We made kids. Oh, my gosh. All right? I'm just saying. And so God made man and his heart was grieved and his heart was filled with what? What's the word there? Pain. I mean, that's crazy. The creator of the universe is experiencing pain, pain on his heart by what he created is doing and how they're harming each other and being hurt themselves. So the Lord said, and this is, a, this is, this is the statement. I mean, this is the quintessential statement from God. I will wipe mankind whom I've created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground, the birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. Wow. I mean, it's raining today. And in the age of Noah... It rained, and 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 it rained. So much so, this is a great illustration today, that God flooded the earth. Now, what's crazy is up until then, they did not know what we're hearing on the roof. It's common for us to hear some rain. They had no clue what that was. And here God tells Noah, I want you to go build an ark and prepare for a flood and you get your family and get an animal of every kind on the boat, and I'm going to rescue you. And essentially, this is a picture of Jesus that would come. Because there will be a second, there will be a second day coming of God's judgment. It will not be a flood. It will be when Christ comes back and takes every believer away from what will happen in the, the end times, the tribulation. But this is an example of what will happen again. A second judgment. So God's grieved. Now, we don't like to think about all that difficulty. We don't like to think about all that wickedness. Uh, we like to think about the fact that God loves us. He, he's for us. And we talk about this often around our church, that He's for us. God loves us. He's offer, he offers us hope. He offers us grace. He offers us salvation. But there's another motivation here. The other motivation is, is to, in getting our lives right is the fact that there'll be another judgment coming. So, I love this. God's final words in this passage, it says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. That's some good news. God was looking around for someone who he could call out and say, hey, I need you to do something on my behalf for kingdom purposes because I'm going to essentially, I'm going to flood the earth, but I want to rescue some in order to rescue many in the future. Noah, will you be my guy? And God looks around for us, I believe, in the same way 
to use us in our generation in the very same way that God was using Noah in his. So, I want to do this. I want to walk through some lessons from Noah's life as I walk through his story. So I'm going to give you three lessons. So if you've got your notes, jot these down. First one is this. First lesson from from Noah's life. You can make a difference in your family. Everyone. You can make a difference in your family. Genesis 7-1, the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found who? I love this word. I have found who? Help me out now. I have found you righteous in this generation. Here's what's crazy. Notice God didn't find favor in the whole family. He found favor in Noah. And because of what Noah did, because Noah believed in God and acted on God's behalf, God found favor in Noah because he acted on it. God rescued the entire family, right? So because Noah, what he did, it allowed others to be saved. So you can make a difference in your family. I love this. It's a great challenge for us as men, right? To lead our families, to be the guy that God wants us to be, to to when we fail, to say, God, I need your help. Give me your strength to continue to guide, to be the man of my house, to, to, to leverage the salvation in me to help lead others towards you. I think it's the same challenge for us as women, for us, you as women, all right? I'm the first gender category. Uh, and I think it's the same for the ladies. I think it's, it's the same if you're a student, if you're old, young, if you're able, unable, however you slice this, If you're breathing, God has a purpose for you. So God wants us to grapple and understand and know his life, his story is you can make a difference in your family. Notice Acts 16.31 says, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Now, in in, in the language that this was written in the Greek, this word is oikos, and it means this. Notice, um, excuse me, it means that that, that God wants to leverage your influence to lead people towards Him. That's literally what that is trying to explain. means that we have impact with those around us. So if God saved you, your salvation should impact others around you. Um, God wants us thinking that way. I mean, think about it. Every day that you wake up, God wants you to recognize how He wants to write your story in the grand scheme of things. God's writing Noah's story. God's plan for Noah was to be a rescuer, to be a part of the great rescue. God wants us thinking the same way. So in your generation, if you're a student, if you're young, if you're old, God wants you thinking every day, God has a plan for my life, and he wants to be a, to be a part of the great rescue. That's what God wants us thinking. He doesn't want us to live our lives thinking, hey, I'm going to live my life and serve myself. God wants you to live your life and serve Him, serve others, serve the big purpose of what God's doing in the world. God wants us thinking this way. Sociologists say that we have the ability on average to influence 12 to 17 people around us. Just imagine your life, your story, what God's doing in you, all the the bumps, all the bruises, all the scars, but God wants to leverage your influence, probably for 12 to 17 people. You might be by Billy Graham, who just passed away 
and he leveraged his influence, and God used him for thousands of others. I think about heaven today. I mean, it's raining here, but it's partying in heaven. Billy Graham, one of the greatest um, pastors really over you know, the world, is in heaven. And think about all those who he helped lead to Christ probably were just like, Billy, thank you, bro. You led me to Christ, right? There's a party in heaven. But think about this. You got cards on your seats this morning. Easter cards. My church coming up, getting ready to do the big outdoor Easter event. How does God want to leverage your salvation for someone else? How does God want to leverage what he's doing in your generation, in your sphere of influence, perhaps on Easter Sunday to point someone towards Jesus? I mean, I, you love how I worked that in? Just worked that right in. I mean, it, it, but it's truthful. Every day of your life, God wants to use everything about you, the good, the bad, the ugly, for what he's doing in the world. And God wants us thinking this way. You can make a difference in your family. Second thing is this. You can make a difference in your generation, for your generation. Acts 13.36 says this. For when David had served God's purpose in his generation, he fell asleep. I just read that recently. I've, I've, I've taught off this before. I've read this many times. But I just noticed it didn't say that he died. Because as a believer, we don't die. After David served his generation, he fell asleep. Scripture says to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. Right? David falls asleep. He's not dead. He's with Christ now. See, you can serve your generation. David served his generation. And really, we have a responsibility in our generation. The opposite is all about what? Us consuming. You think about the opposite of what David did, it would be consuming. It would be living for yourself and, and for ourselves. Um, our church, you ever thought about what a Sunday is supposed to be? I consider our Sunday mornings like a like a football locker room halftime. You go out, first quarter, second quarter, we battle, we get, we, we're getting it done, we regroup in halftime, we talk about our plays, we get motivated, we remind ourselves what our playbook is, what we're about to accomplish, what we're going to do, and we huddle up, we get fired up, and we break, and we go get it done. I mean, that's what we do here. I mean, on Sunday mornings, my job is to provoke you to fire us up to go out and do what God's leading and calling us to do. That's, that's, what, that's what this is. And I think God wants us to every Sunday and every day of our lives to be recognizing that this is the generation that God has placed me, this moment and this time with this sphere of influence, with these people that I have credibility with, street creds with, God wants us to make a, generation, a difference in our generation. Third thing is this that we can learn from Noah's, Noah's life is you can make a difference for God. You, you can play a role in what God is doing. You can make a difference for Him. Notice Ezekiel 22.30. It says, I look for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found none. Do you realize that God combs and looks over every city, every county, every state in the U.S. and across the globe looking for men and women that will be a part of what he's doing. 
God wants to give favor to. God wants to bless. God wants to encourage. God wants to sow His favor. God wants to show off through people who are weak and unable and not ready and scared and think you got the wrong guy. God wants to show off through us and get it done through what God's doing in us. You can make a difference for God. The question is, will you be the one? Will you be the one? Um, I've got some words of encouragement, I think, that Noah would say to us um, for our generation. Um, And I would say, I think Noah's generation probably looks a lot like ours. I think Noah's words of encouragement would be this in your notes. Don't be afraid to stand out in a crowd. I used to think when I was a youth pastor, that was like a, a student thing. Don't be afraid to stand out in a crowd. But now that I'm adult, I'm an adult. Did you guys know that? I'm an adult. I am. I'm an adult now. Okay? I think it's just as much for us, even more so. I used to think it was the hardest of hard to stand out and be who God's called you to be when you were young. It's harder when you're an adult. I think you got more riding on it. I think you got a boss, you got an employer, you got financials, you got all this stuff weighing in on how you live. And I believe that Noah would say to us, don't be afraid to stand out in a crowd. Do you know if you're going to be a difference maker? Guess what? You've got to be different. If you're, if you're ever going to be a difference maker, you can't be the same as everybody else. You cannot follow the crowd and make a difference. You cannot do it. God calls us to be different to make a difference. Check this out. It took Noah 120 years after he heard from God before it started raining. Do you know he looked like, a, like an idiot? I mean, you think about it. He is 600 years old. He heard from God 120 years prior to when it actually started raining. I mean, just think about it like year 83. He's, he's 83 years into hearing God and he's like twiddling his thumbs, tacking in some more nails in the, in the boat and he's going like, what have I done? See, here's the thing. We can't quit. We can't give up. Don't get lost in what the big picture of what God is doing in this world and how we play a part in that. We are called to live and do and breathe in what God's doing in the world. It's bigger than what you do at your job. It's bigger than, than making a, a, a paycheck. It's, it's really bigger than that. And I really believe as we see in Noah's life, God is looking for those men and women, students, kids, who he is going to leverage for his purpose. Don't be afraid to stand out in the crowd. Notice Proverbs says this, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Hey, think about about how that plays out. Don't be afraid to stand out in the crowd when you're at a party and everyone else is doing it, whatever it is. I'm going youth pastor on you guys, right? But but now that many of you are adults, what it, what it is represents maybe some areas that you're being afraid right now in. And you're caving. And you're going, you know what, I shouldn't have done that, but I, I, I need to quit. Don't be afraid to stand out in a crowd when you're in a movie and it's a whole lot worse than what you thought. Maybe you need to get up and just walk out. You ever done that before? Sometimes you got to do it. Sometimes you just got to man up, woman up and say, you know what? This is trash right now. It's just 
ah, it's no good. I don't need this. We're going we're gonna to bolt. Don't be afraid to stand out in a crowd when someone calls you and wants to gossip about someone else. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be rude. You just basically like, hey, I, I just don't want to go there. I just don't feel right about having this conversation. Appreciate you, but I'm out. All right? Maybe it's we don't want to be afraid when it comes to standing out in a crowd when you get pressure on the job to be unethical. See, I, I really believe we're at a place in our lives today where the wickedness of our culture is probably like the wickedness in Noah's days. And, and, and there's a time coming when Jesus is going to come back again. And I, and, I, and I know God's heart is grieved. His heart breaks because there's people on our planet still to this day that have never bowed the knee never acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, that have never had the opportunity to grasp and grapple with, they can be forgiven for, through Christ. And God wants to leverage us, everything about us, for their future, for their forevers. Second thing I think Noah would encourage us is to not be afraid to do something for the first time. I love this. This is a part of the story. How many of you guys are scared to do things that are new? How many of you guys are like, you love new things? How about when they're scary? How about when all of a sudden you've been really, 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 really comfortable in what you've been doing, and all of a sudden God pulls a rug out you and says, I want you to go do that. Here's the thing. Don't be afraid to do something for the first time. That's called faith. That's a faith step. And here's the thing. God will always ask you to do things you've never done before. You read this Bible. And that's what God does. He's always calling us to a new place. He does not like us to get comfortable because you know what comfortable does? It allows us to operate on our own. And God wants us to operate recognizing our need for Him and being like, help me, Jesus. Right? God will always ask you to do things you've never done before. Hebrews 11.7 says this, by faith, duh, there it is. Noah didn't know. We're reading this story past tense. Noah didn't know looking into 120 years of God telling him to do this. But it was a faith step. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not seen, in holy fear, heck yeah, God's going to bring wrath, I'd like to be in on the boat. In holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir in the righteousness that becomes faith. You know why we're here today? Because Noah said yes. You know why some of you are here today? Because someone said yes. And stood up and said, hey man, do you know how I got through this? And, or do you know why I'm um, peaceful right now in this moment? Do you, do you know how I got through this struggle? Or do you know how I've been able to handle this difficulty in my life? It's because... Jesus. And someone, someone stepped out somehow for most of you to be here today. Don't be afraid to do something the first time. Following, following God is always going to require, like Noah, a leap of faith. Third thing that Noah would encourage us is, and this sounds a little bit cheesy, but I think this works. When you see a rainbow... Remember that one person can make a difference. Let that, let that be 
the message that you hear from God whenever you see a rainbow. Christy sent uh, Ed, my wife, sent Ed a message this morning just to show us a picture of a rainbow that we captured over my church a, a little while back. How about whenever you see a rainbow? You remember this story, but what you remember is one person can make a difference. One person can make a difference. One person can make a difference. Sometimes we feel like, I'm not that one person. No, 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 we're always that one person. If you're alive, if you're breathing, God wants to use you. Not one person in this audience, not two, not five. No, every one of us in this room, if you're alive and breathing today, you're the one person God wants to use. You're the one person. Notice Matthew 28, 20. And be sure of this. I love this. This, this. this squelches and squatches out anything that might give question to. And be sure of this. And this is God. As He was for Noah, He is for us. I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Second Peter 3, 6-9 says, By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. Speaking of Moses or Noah. By the same word, the present heavens and earth were reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly man. But notice this. Here's God. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. No, He is patient with you, patient with me, patient with us, not wanting anyone to what? perish, but everyone come to repentance. Do you know why Christ has not come back yet? There it is in the end of that verse. He's being patient, wanting no one to perish. So the question is, will you be the one? Will you take this locker room, halftime, little pep talk challenge and be reminded, all of us, wherever you're at, whether you're army, whether you're civilian, whether you're mother, whether you're dad, whether you're single, whether you're student, whether you're good, whether you're bad, whether you're jacked up, whether you think you're not jacked up, God wants to use you. And He will take you on a journey, grow your faith, show you Him, and you can make a difference. And we can change the world together. Here's the thing. Jesus is coming back. We don't have forever left. So we've got to play our role and play it now. Let's pray. Lord, we, um, we thank you for salvation. Jesus, thank you so much for your grace. Yes, you are good, but you're also fair and you are just. And God, you said somebody's got to pay. And then you sent Jesus to make that payment. God, thank you for that. God, thank you so much for that. We thank you for salvation. We thank you that you want to leverage the salvation in us and the grace that we found in you that we can share with others. Lord, I pray that each of us would recognize that's exactly how you want us to think every day of our lives. That we're in this and God wants to use us. And not shortchange ourselves and who we are in Christ. Let us live our lives like Noah. our entire lives of saying God wants to use me and I want to be used by Him. God, let that be our 
Let that be our mantra today. Let When we see a rainbow, God, let us be reminded you want to use us. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, how many would say in this room today, no one looking around, unless you've got a friend and a guest that you brought this morning, you just want to peek, I'll give you permission. But how many would say this morning, Jeff, I'm somebody here today that if Jesus came back today and took all believers to heaven, I'm not, I don't think I'm in that camp. I don't know if I'm saved. I don't, I don't ever remember a time in my life where I sort of, you know, symbolically bowed the knee and, and prayed and asked Jesus to be the leader and forgiver of my life. Jeff, I, I want to be saved today. With every head bowed, all eyes closed for a moment. I won't call you out. I won't embarrass you. I won't call you up. But would you just slip your hand and say, Jeff, that's me. Pray for me. Anybody like that this morning? Yes, Jeff, pray for me. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Yes, Jeff. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? I want to be saved. Yes, that's sir. I see you, sir. Anybody else? Jeff, pray for me. Yes, I see you, sweet girl. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Lord, we we celebrate the fact, God, that we know you're here. We, we recognize that you're alive and well. And God, today you're wooing us. You're wooing us. You're, you're, you're leading us and longing for us to step into a, a real amazing place with you. A safe place, a, a place full of love and grace. And God, you're, you're leading us all as we find our way back to you today. So, Lord, I pray for those that just raised their hands and said, I, I, I need to be saved. God, I pray that right now they would, they would just cry out to heaven. And, and the only words that, that, that really could represent what they want to say today and just simply, Jesus, I'm asking you to be the leader and savior of my life. I want you to be the forgiver, and I want to let you be the leader of my life right now. Jesus, save me. I need you. I believe in you right now. I know, that, I know and I believe right now and I place faith in the fact that what you did on the cross makes payment for the sins that I've committed and I recognize today I can't be good enough, but you were. So today, Jesus, I, I, I give my life to you. And Lord, as believers here this morning, God, we celebrate the fact that you did die, but then you went to the grave, but then you rose back from the dead three days later. So, God, when you come back someday, what a party it will be. God, we celebrate the fact that today you're calling us all in on the mission. The mission of serving you instead of ourselves so people can come to be saved just like we are. So it's in your name I pray. And everyone said, Amen. I'm going to ask you guys to stand. We're going to close with a song and close with an offering. Hey, that rain was just loud a minute ago. Let's shout back to God right now. He just rained down as we talked about Noah. Come on, sync that all up. Let's get fired up and let's just sing back to God right now like crazy.